course it does. I mean, the first thing we need to do is manage expectations and you can never look into anybody else's relationships. It's all time, stage, personalities, natural libidos. And, you know, I, I mean, the average couple probably, we have in our heads that they're having it once a week, right? Most couples, particularly with young kids, aren't having it once a week. What most couples do is they'll tend to have a lot of sex at some time of their relationship. And then they might even go through a period where they're hardly having any. And then you might go on holiday and have loads of sex. And then you might come back and one of you stressed or a parent dies, or, you know, you're in the middle of lockdown when, you know, sex is so available, it's just so not interesting anymore. So it's rather than set this, you know, we have to have sex a certain amount of time. It's just find your normal, like whatever works for the two of you is all that happens, all that matters. Welcome to the show. I'm Joe Horton. On the Guild of Dad show, we unwrap weekly the incredible stories, skills and expertise of the world's most captivating dads and experts. And I unpackage with them the topics that will captivate you. Fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs and ultra-athletes, professors, anthropologists and those making a massive impact on the world. This episode delves into the subject of sex and more accurately, how you can have great sex after becoming a dad. It's often something not talked about too much and gets brushed under the carpet with the pitter-patter of tiny feet arriving. The problem with this is that mums and dads have needs too, which don't stop after the arrival of kids. But how do we ensure a long and happy sex life with our wife or partner when there is a seemingly endless list of things to do with time and life getting in the way? Every conversation we have translates the experience and expertise of our guests into practical knowledge you can use to better understand yourself as a dad and in the process, improve your physical health, mental health, relationships, career, and the way you show up in the world as a role model to the next generation. Sex, you're either getting loads of it or none of it, and for many dads, they wish it was more rather than less. Practically though, long-term relationships and marriage have an effect, not least on how infatuated couples are with one another. But how much sex is a norm between husband and wife when they have a family? Can you actually get that same spark you had in the early days? And how do you do it? Today, I speak to international sex, body language, relationship expert, author and TV presenter, Tracy Cox. Tracy has appeared on Oprah, CNN and the Today Show in the US, as well as many primetime TV and chat shows worldwide, along with being a regular contributor to the Daily Mail. I find out from Tracy how what you need for desire and lust are two separate things, why you need to create desire in a relationship, how shame and embarrassment can be two of the biggest killers of intimacy and why scheduling sex is a lot more than simply putting a date in the diary. If you ever wondered how some of my amazing guests get to where they are in life, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, those making a massive difference in the world, I can tell you that pretty much all of them follow a very deliberate plan or system of some kind. This is exactly what I do too and I'm revealing how you can implement a plan and system in your own life completely free in my ebook the dad blueprint over at guildofdads.com forward slash dad incidentally many of the people i interview on this show will be leveraging the power of similar systems to radically level up their lives so you will be an amazing company and now to my conversation with tracy tracy welcome to the guild of dads podcast thank you for having me 
It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, we were sort of talking off air about when I first actually heard of you or saw you on TV, so which is quite a few few years back. But I'm really glad that you've joined. 20 years, actually. Is, it, is that how long ago it was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that show that you're talking about, yeah. Oh, I would like to meet. We were, we were, were absolutely hooked on that show and, the, and particularly the kind of insights that you gave around the kind of body language of the of the people that were involved with it and we were absolutely fascinated so we'd kind of go out into the you know out into the wide world and and look at look at these kind of um men exhibiting certain body language and, and thinking well, what does that mean and then we were say, oh, oh i know what that means because i remember tracy said about it on the uh on on the oh. show and uh, women flicking their hair or stroking their leg and we were like oh we know what that means we definitely know what that means so uh, but, the thing uh, that used to make me laugh the most was the feet <laughs> in that feet point to where you want to be so all we had to do when we put all these people on a fake date which is what we did in the show was just look at the feet and if their feet were pointing towards each other and really close you knew that it was going to be a successful date and if it, if it was a really bad date apart from really obvious facial expressions and stuff which tend to give people away very easily um we'd you look at the feet and the feet would be pointing towards the door every single time if they weren't happy on that date it's the biggest most reliable indicator no one ever thinks to look at feet do they no no but now everyone that's listening and watching this they're going to be every time they see people like uh you know on a day or talking to each other they're gonna be right there look at those what what are their feet doing what are their feet doing i know do you know what though since that show because that was 20 years ago as i said what i find i mean i'm obviously whenever i'm out um anywhere in a restaurant i'm always looking around at other people especially couples who i think are dating it's been interesting watching people on walking dates as well that was been interesting but the, it's so different now because what people do is they just sit on their phones mm. it's like for god's sake you've just met and you're still flicking through instagram and what does that what signal does that send to somebody it's just ridiculous bad enough when you're in a long-term relationship but not when you first met but i have seen that happen it's quite alarming i think people do it when they're a bit nervous maybe or they don't know what else to do and they just pick up their phones but oh my god <laughs> really shocked at how how hooked we are on our phones it's yeah. not good and I think as well is I think it differs from city to city because I know three or four years ago I was in Madrid with my wife away for the weekend with a rare chance to get shot of the kids for the weekend and it struck mm-hmm. us in Madrid how a lot of the younger people in the kind of restaurants and bars and stuff their phones were away they weren't even on the table yes. they weren't even on their phones and they were just looking straight into each other's eyes just 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 yeah. chatting and, um, I agree with you. Same in France. We did exactly the same thing. We're at a restaurant. Then I kept saying to Miles, my husband, what's what's different? I can't work out what's different. It was because no one had their phones out. Mm. Same thing. No one had their phones out. Mm. England's bad. <laughs> and Australia, I have to say. Both of them. And the States. I haven't been to the States for ages. But, you know, I don't know what it's like there. But, yeah, these countries. But I think maybe the European culture sort of encourages that intense. They're more intense with their body language, aren't they? There's a lot more eye contact. There's a lot more... I don't know, intensity and, and sort of emotion. They're much more emotional, I think, as, as cultures than we are. Mm. So maybe it's, that's got to do with it. They, they like eye contact to see the emotion being you know, reflected in the eyes. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's probably, I'm going to probably bring up the subject of phones in terms of the conversation we're going to have today a little bit later. But first, first and foremost, I mean, the, the reason I've obviously asked you to come on and speak to us today is that I obviously run my own dad's community and also I'm part of a number of different other dad's communities and periodically what will come up is a question around intimacy and that question is my wife and I haven't had sex for a long time or um, 
or well, wife and I are having no sex, what can I do about it sort of thing. Um, before I get into that, those sort of two questions per se, how, how does kind of marriage and long-term relationships begin to impact like a, a typical couple's sex life? Is, it, is, is there kind of distinct phases that relationships go through? Because obviously everyone knows about the honeymoon, honeymoon phase where mm. we can't keep each other's hands off each other sort yeah. of thing. How does that kind of yeah. sort of unfold as things go on? So what happens is that long term, we're not really built to be in love with somebody and to fancy the pants of somebody because it just doesn't happen in our brains and all desire and love come from the brain. So we think of love and sex as being, you know, happy bedfellows and they coexist along, you know, together happily. Well, they actually don't because what you need for love and what you need for desire and lust are two terribly different things. So for love, you want to feel contentment, you want to feel predictability, you want to feel secure, you want to feel happy and not anxious, okay? To keep lust and desire going, you need eroticism, you need unpredictability, you need tension, and you need anxiety. Now, because in a relationship, you're you're getting on together and having to sort of roll and rub along together much more than you are actually having sex, the love bit gets built up, and most people choose that bit over sex any any day, really, if you have a choice. Um, and so, and what happens is, when you're in love, your brain emits certain brain hormones like dopamine, serotonin, and all things which make make you feel like cuddling and happy and relaxed. When you're in lust with somebody, your brain sets off very different hormones like vasopressin for men. Now, when a male's brain is full of all the dopamine and the lovely cuddly hormones, it literally cannot produce vasopressin. So desire is, is, cannot be produced. And this is what happens, and you get what's called the sibling effect, where this translates to you love your partner to death, but you might not feel like having sex with them. Desire goes. And desire goes for other reasons, of course. It's because familiarity and, you know, it's always going to be better in the beginning because it's new. And novel. So what happens is lots of couples look at that and think, oh my God, there's something really wrong here. This means that I don't love my partner or I've chosen the wrong person, or it must mean that we're just friends. It doesn't mean any of that. It's just what happens. You can swap partners all you like. It's still going to end up in that place unless you have a really awful relationship that's roller coaster. And then you might have a shot at keeping that sort of, you know, edgy sex going, but it's not very comfortable sex. And plus, once you're over the age of 18, who wants that sort of relationship anyway? Mm. So the first thing I'd say, if you're not having sex in a relationship, is to realize that this is perfectly normal. It doesn't mean that either of you have made the wrong choice. I mean, obviously it might for other reasons, but it doesn't for that reason. So if you accept that, then you're on the way, the step, you know, forward out of it. And all you need to do then is think to yourselves, okay, instead of desire just tapping me on the shoulder and saying right I want to rip your clothes off and oh my god let's just go for it now um you have to create it you have to create desire this means and also by that stage you've usually got kids you've got commitments you know your your real life creeps in again once you pass the honeymoon stage and you and all the other stuff gets in the way like if your wife's just had you know she's you've just had two kids they're under the age of three and She's sat down on the sofa and just about to watch something that she's been waiting for. It's that is not the time to suggest sex, is it? You know, you're not going to do it, even if, you know, she might have been thinking that. So it's all called timing. It's called planning, making an effort. And, and not. And I, when I say planning, I don't mean like say, right, we're going to have sex on Saturday night at 10 o'clock. I mean, 
thinking about things and going, right, let's, why don't we have Saturday afternoon as a bit of an us time? I mean, my husband and, do this, and I do this on Sundays, right? We go, right, Sundays is our sex day. We're going to do something on Sunday. We might not have sex, but we, ha- we, we sort of make it that we make sure there's some kind of perfect conditions for that to happen. And then each of us come up with something that is new to try because you can't just say, let's have boring old sex the same way we have it every other Sunday. So there's anticipation there, which is a good replacement for spontaneity. And the best way to take yourselves out of that, oh my God, this is Joe takes the bins out, and this is Tracy who makes the dinner, is that was a bit sexist, wasn't it? Um, is to take yourself out of it. So you have to see your partner in a different way. And a good way to do that is everyone's going to roll their eyes, role play, things like that. Now, I don't mean role play as in dress up as a sexy maid or, you know, put on a wig or something like that, though. That is quite effective, actually, at getting people to fancy each other. I mean things like, um, you could just go into character or something, or just or if you're watching a TV show, you could say, right, we're going to pretend we're those two characters and normal people. Let's just pretend that. Or let's pretend we're, you know, whatever you've been, you know, just just pretend and have fun. And so you, you've got to like take yourselves out of yourselves and see each other as you are as separate people. Cause we become a bit tweedledum, tweedledeeish, don't we? Mm. So it's like, and the other good thing to do is, to make sure that when you can go out again after lockdown, that you see each other outside of your own environment. Don't just always meet at home or go out together. Be the one sitting in the restaurant watching your partner walk across the room towards you. See the people looking at them. You know, like, listen to your friends. I've got a friend who fancies the pants off my husband, and she's always saying, if you don't want him, I'll have him. And whenever I think to myself, <laughs> um, maybe I can't be bothered to have sex, I think she could be bothered to have sex with him. You know what I mean? You've got to think of things like this. It's all about creating that separateness. Mm, Yeah. See, that's the, uh, that's the whole mate guarding kicking in a little bit, isn't it? Sort of thing. So, but it's, yeah, it's, and, and, it's funny that you say because one of my questions was going to be uh, to you was going to be, and I've written it actually down here somewhere. Um, I think it was to plan or not to plan. That is to, to schedule or not to schedule. That is the question, and you kind of answered that in in the last yeah. in the last bit. That it's kind of actually schedule. it's it's making the circumstances rather than the schedule is what you're saying. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you're talking about, you know, um, looking at this particularly from a male point of view, like say, especially if he's a dad and you've got kids around, it, you know, women are knackered and whatever, no matter how great the guy is, they do end up doing the lion's share and there's all that sort of stuff. And that's the, that's the number one guaranteed thing to do. If you want to have more sex with your wife, do more housework. It's research has proved this over and over again number one she'll have more time number two she'll feel happier about it and less sort of like christ i'm doing all this other stuff and now i've got to do this and sex becomes a chore so if you're absolutely sharing the you know the things around the house and the running of the social life everything then she's going to be much more inclined to have sex with you but i always think what works a treat and this has worked so well with couples that i've counseled over the years is if you have somebody who wants sex a lot more often and somebody wants sex, you know, not that often, you come up with some sort of compromise, like say it's once or twice a week, but the sex only lasts for five minutes. So say you want, so you say you might say, right, okay, we're going to agree to have sex twice a week for five minutes each time and literally set a timer because it's all part of it. Now, in this scenario, the person who wants more sex is happy because they're getting sex twice a week. The person who doesn't really want to have that much sex is happy because it's two lots of five minutes. That's, you know, not too much of an ask for anyone. Mm. And the fact that you have the timer there makes the non, the person with the lower desire 
think to themselves, you know, it's sort of like naughty, isn't it? It's forbidden. It's like, well, what happens if we go over the time? And maybe I might want it a bit longer. And, and it becomes, it takes the seriousness out of it. And it just sort of becomes a game. And it also, it gets you back into that habit of having sex. So it's all, it's just a way of getting people back into having sex all the time and also getting out of that mode where, oh my God, we haven't had sex for ages. It's got to last an hour. It's got to be this big session. It's got to be a tantric session. It's got to be make up for all the other times that we haven't had sex. No, it doesn't. You can have a quickie that lasts 10 minutes. You can have, you know, a big snogging session. That counts as sex. You can give, you know, give your partner oral sex. That counts as sex. Hmm. You know, we've got to think, stop thinking of it as sex being this thing that has a beginning, a middle and an end and must include intercourse. Just think about little bite-sized bits of sex and that will get you both back into it and everybody feels happier and it sort of kickstarts your libido. And do you think some of that comes from where sort of we have this idea as to how much sex other people are having and what sort of sex they're having? So you, it becomes like a, a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy or actually kind of a curse on what our own yes. expectations are then? Of course it does. I mean, the first thing we need to do is manage expectations and you can never look into anybody else's relationships. It's all time, stage, personalities, natural libidos. And, you know, I, I, I mean, the average couple probably, we have in our heads that they're having it once a week, right? Most couples, particularly with young kids, aren't having it once a week. What most couples do is they'll tend to have a lot of sex at some time of their relationship and then they might even go through a period where they're hardly having any and then you might go on holiday and have loads of sex and then you might come back and one of you stressed or a parent dies or you know you're in the middle of lockdown when you know sex is so available it's just so not interesting anymore so it's rather than set this you know we have to have sex a certain amount of time it's just find your normal like whatever works for the two of you is all that happens all that matters mm. and I remember when you know the definition of sex a sexless marriage used to be a couple who did it 10 times or less a year and by did it they meant intercourse because people always define sex as intercourse in these surveys in this research and I know couples who particularly couples who are in their 50s who were absolutely affronted to be described as sexless and they only had sex about 10 times a year but when they did have sex by god they had great sex you know, they just didn't have it that often. Mm. So I think that was such a narrow definition of a sexist couple because you could have a couple going through the motions and absolutely, you know, hating every minute of it who would tick the boxes of not being a sexist couple. And then you've got these other couples who have brilliant sex sessions, you know, about 10 times or more a year, and yet they they class themselves as having very good sex, thank you very much. So it is all about finding your normal. Mm. And I suppose as well there's probably a correlation as well between – how kind of tactile you are overall as well because if you're if you're kind of like I suppose if you're a couple that's maybe having less sex but you're actually quite tactile overall then there's actually a lot more physical touch going on there anyway and this is kind of where you know Gary Chapman's love languages comes into it and the whole um, Mm. physical touch and acts of service which I was going to mention when you were talking about laundry and doing doing stuff around the house because if that aligns if doing stuff like that also aligns with the love language of acts of service, then you've kind of, you're onto a double winner there because. Yeah, you are. And I think that, you know, I mean, yeah, affection is hugely, it's hugely, hugely, hugely important in a relationship, probably more so than sex at the end of the day. Um, And what happens when you stop having sex 
and don't have a conversation about it. It's the most dangerous thing you can do for your relationship because what happens then is that for whatever reason, you know, one of you might want to continue sex, maybe somebody doesn't or just doesn't want it at that particular time. If you don't have a conversation about it, then affection is what stops because one of you scared to show any affection because you think, oh God, they're going to think I'm hassling them for sex. The other person's going to feel scared to show, you know, any interest in affection because they're thinking, well, they might interpret that to think that I want sex. So affection dies. And then if you're not having sex and you're not having any affection either, then you're really in trouble. Mm. Then you really are in trouble. So you've got to have you know, hopefully both going, but you've at least got to have affection going to get yourself through that time. And you must have a conversation about sex. I mean, I've just written a book about um, my 17th book, can you believe that, On called Great Sex Starts at 50. And I interviewed all of my poor friends who were so sick of being interviewed. But what I found <laughs> absolutely fascinating was the amount of couples who I know really, really well who tell each other everything. They talk about everything. They talk about ageing, about everything else, everything, you know, including highly embarrassing things, but they have just quietly stopped having sex and they've never had a conversation about it. Mm. And I'm like, how can you not talk about that when you talk about everything else? No. Nope. And it's generally because the man's having erection problems and he's too embarrassed. The woman's, you know, got a dry vagina. She doesn't want to admit that. So, so both of them don't sound very sexy or fit with our image of sexy sex. So they just shut up and then they don't talk about it. And next minute it's been five years mm. and they haven't talked about sex. And I just find that so strange. I find it so weird that you could be so close and talk about everything else in your life, but not be able to talk about sex. But it's very, very common. Mm. It's kind of almost like there's a kind of pride or, pride or like an ego element there where if something kind of embarrassing or something kind of throws a spanner in the works, it's kind of actually, this is a bit embarrassing. I'm not going to talk about it. So we're just going to give up on it completely sort of thing. And, yeah, yeah, it's shame and embarrassment. And, you know, who, I mean, when I respect all these women, you had the world divided into these two different types of women, women who were like, well, who wants to be with a barren, dried up old woman? And it's like, oh, my God, is that how you see yourself? I mean, it's just bloody menopause, for Christ's sake. You know, everyone goes through it and comes out the other side. And then you have these other women who are like, I don't care. There's a, there's a solution for everything. Hmm. I still feel sexy. I still want to have great sex and I'm bloody well going to have it. And they find solutions and they don't see themselves as dried up old women. So men don't see them as dried up old women. And so if a man's going to define himself by, oh my God, what use am I? I can't, you know, get an erection anymore. Well, first of all, you don't need an erect penis to be a great lover. You're probably a better lover without an erect penis because most women don't have their orgasms through intercourse anyway. So, you know, if you're having erection problems and you're going to turn it around and give her more oral sex or, you know, more foreplay, it's not going to be an issue, I can tell you, if you're sleeping mm. with a woman anyway. Mm. So, you know, it's it's all shame and embarrassment. And we have this very set view of what's sexy. You've got to be young. You've got to be certain age. You've got to be intercourse has got to be the main event with sex. It's got to be that really hard thrusting. It's got to be, it's like, well, sex isn't always like that. Sex looks very different at different stages of your life or mm. relationship. Mm. And I think a lot of guys will be encouraged to hear you say that because I think the thing is, is that, you know, it's kind of my my generation, if you like, are probably, and this is going to sound really derogatory, but we're like the FHM generation. This is the kind yeah. of, you know, we grew, we grew up in that kind of, that lads mag era. I'm not saying that all of us are lads now, because as you can see, yeah. I'm not. How old cer are you? I'm know. certainly not a lad anymore. 42, I am in a few days' time. 42, so okay. yeah, right. So Looking yeah, good. where's? Thank you very much. Um, but we're, <laughs> but we're in that kind of generation whereby that you know there was 
you know, it was in it was in magazines and it was kind of like, you know, talked about a lot and it was, you know, mm. it, and, and I think there was a lot of embellishment of stories that kind of went on in terms of what other people are doing, so to speak, which I think places that expectation on not just guys, but also women as well um, of that generation that we think, oh, actually, you know, um, hang on a minute, this is, is this right? Am I, am I experiencing in this right? But one thing I was interested in asking you about is, how women and men kind of react because the impression that I get is that guys are a lot more kind of like they can they can they can do it whenever whereas I think the impression is is that 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 the ladies need a little the circumstances need to be a little bit more uh, correct in order for a lady to be into it than a guy that I could be completely wrong on that you're going to say to me well not all the time sort of thing I think it's a bit of a myth. And I mean, what we know, we know that we know that women go off um, sex and relationships quicker than men do. And everybody assumes that that means that it, mean, it must mean she's got a lower libido. Well, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that women need interesting sex to keep wanting to have sex because orgasm, in if you have sex the usual way where his penis is the star of the show, isn't easy for us. Women, I mean, sorry, orgasm is just as easy for women as it is men. If you do do it the way that is easy for us, which is through oral sex, using your fingers or using a vibrator, only 20% of women can have an orgasm through intercourse, right? So if all sex is based around that, she's not going to have a very high orgasm score. It's as much as sex isn't all about the orgasm, it is rather nice if you have one. So this is why men could easily have, a lot of men could easily have the same sex, exactly the same sex, boring sex, but that would result in an orgasm every single time they have sex with their partner and be quite happy with that for the rest of their life. Not entirely happy, but sort of happy with that because they get their orgasm. Intercourse is their favorite thing because that's when most men have their orgasms and that's what that's why they're kind of happy to continue having sex. Now, if you look, think about it from the female point of view and she's not having her orgasm every single time, intercourse isn't her favourite thing, but a lot of women are quite shy. They're very nervous about protecting, you know, they, they love their partner, they don't want to offend them. And often they don't know that this is normal, so they think there's something wrong with them, so they go off sex. So it's not about libido. If you give a woman really interesting, erotic, edgy sex, adventurous sex, and bring out that side of her, she will be wanting to have more sex with you. That's the other myth, is that men want all the adventure. No, it's women who want it and women who need it. It's just that we're not sort of given this permission to be asking for it. And some men get very, you know, put out if, if it's the female asking for this. So no, it's not that she takes longer to get in the mood. It's not that men are sort of can become aroused more easily. It's all about what's on offer. Hmm. And also you do have to take into account that if a, if a woman's doing more, they tend to be, they, they get more, you know, they've got more things going on in their lives. They juggle more balls, let's put it that way. And um, so there's a lot more things, you're quite right, that she has to have in a row before she's even going to think about sex. So you do have to get that scenario right. The perfect conditions are probably going to be harder to get in place for her than they are the average guy. Because I think most guys, if you if you were just about to go out for dinner and you said, let's run off into the bedroom and have a quickie, you'd go, yep. Like, wouldn't even think about it. Whereas I would think, shit, I've just done my makeup. I've got my, you know, I'd have to take all my clothes off. Oh my God, my hair's going to get stuffed up. We're going to be late to the restaurant. I would, a hundred scenarios would go through my head, but it wouldn't with a man, would it? 
No, no, it wouldn't no. actually. No, it wouldn't at all. So <laughs> you're confirmed. Yeah, so you're, you're confirmed as right on that one, definitely. I know. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. So give women interesting sex are going to want it more. Make sure it's more foreplay based and you know, her orgasm rates high. Make sure she doesn't feel also obliged to have an orgasm because otherwise she'll get start faking it. And make sure that you take as much pressure away. Most people, I mean, I bet you know your wife very well enough to go, right, in order for her to have sex, she's got to be not stressed. She's got to be, you know, this has got to be right. Probably now isn't the right time if she's fighting with her mum. Or, you know, there are so many boxes that you know your partner has to tick. And I'm not saying you have to tick them all the time because otherwise we'd never have sex at all, mm. you know. But this is why I'm talking about the scheduling is clearing. When I talk about scheduling, scheduling for sex, I mean making the conditions as perfect as you can be to put both of you in the right mood. Mm. Now, that might be, you know, you giving her, you know, time a, a massage. It might be just giving her space to have a bath when you, you're not even in the bath with her. And then she'll come out and feel all relaxed and in the mood. And so do you see what I'm saying? It's just sort of creating those near perfect circumstances so that you allow yourself time to have it. Mm, yeah it's um, kind of reading between the lines and I think the thing is what's I think what's a lot of couples have struggled with during this whole lockdown thing is typically you know if you're a couple that does have regular date nights or you do occasionally um, sneak in like a, a weekend away or a night away or whatever somewhere that's kind of that ticks all the boxes in what you're saying it's kind of it's something a bit different something a bit out of the ordinary you're away from home and it's a bit exciting and stuff and it kind of yeah. there's a sort of reminiscence towards the, the beginning stages of the relationship as well but i think because of that's not happened for a lot of couples for the last kind of 12 months that's kind of a lot of for a lot of couples i think that is the one time where you kind of you kind of you're you're off the lead a little bit in terms of your having to worry about a toddler walking in the bedroom or having to yeah. you know um sort out kids dinners and ironing and washing and all that kind of stuff. It's been a stuff. nightmare for relationships. Nightmare for relationships and sex lives. So I think the thing that you need to do is is take the pressure off. Everybody should take the pressure off. No one's having great sex in lockdown. Everybody ran out and bought sex toys. And had lots of like masturbatory sessions and stuff like that. But no one, no couples just the sex in the beginning, it was all like, oh, great. We can have sex in the afternoon. And then after about two months, not even that, especially with homeschooling with kids and stuff. I mean, come on. So forget it. No one else is having great sex in lockdown. You can take that (laughs) as a given and just relax, get through it, you know, have a bit of maintenance sex and then look forward to all the things you're talking about. Going, That's the other thing that I've noticed like with me and my partner is, is I'm not dressing up anymore. So I don't feel sexy. I haven't put any heels on. I haven't, you know, like I'm not, I'm not putting clothes on that where I walk out and people look at me. I'm just wearing bloody track pants every day. And, and it's, it's, it's not, it's all the, all the sort of, um, indicators are that it's, you're not going to feel like having sex with each other. So I think we just need to wait until it all eases up a bit because you mm. did the whole, let's do it in another room. Let's do it. You know, let's do, and you, you've done it all. It's like the walking. I mean, Christ, I reckon I've walked the whole of London and as much as I'm still enjoying the walking, I'll be very glad when walking doesn't have to be my entertainment anymore. <laughs> so I think the lockdown, just, just accept that it's not going to happen. I'm going to jump in here very quickly If you have listened for any period of time, you will know that I place a massive value in having a group of other men around you to elevate what you think is possible for yourself. 
I want to tell you about the exclusive brotherhood I've put together called the Dad Circle, which is a group of dads committed to improving themselves in a number of areas in order to become the men and dads they always wanted to be. Not just this, but hardwired into the fabric of this brotherhood are a number of features, including weekly Zoom calls, monthly topics, challenges and assignments, together with a growing library of resources, fitness and mental challenges. You'll get just the accountability that you're looking for when you're surrounded by a group of other men looking to level up and go on a journey in exactly the same way. If this resonates with you and you would like to find out more, head on over to www.thedadscircle.com forward slash join. That's thedadscircle.com forward slash join. Yeah, it's interesting what you say, actually, because in the last little while, I've actually kind of, on a few occasions, I've, I'm like, right, I'm sick and tired of wearing T-shirts. I'm going to put on a collared shirt today just for yeah. the sheer hell of it because I'm fed up with looking like a scruff bag. And I like, <laughs> I don't like wearing non-collared. I, I, I'm, I'm one of these kind of freaks of nature that's happier in a collared shirt than like a non-collared shirt. I don't yeah. know why, but I just feel more kind of kind of comfortable in you grew up in, with uh, the FHM thing and- yeah I'm just getting old I'm yeah I come from an era where I you where you where you shirt. where you have to wear a collared shirt and you yeah. and you're not allowed into nightclubs wearing trainers and stuff you see now I really am showing my age I think <laughs> <laughs> but it does it's whatever makes you feel good about yourself what you think looks good on you isn't it it doesn't matter what it is but um, but yeah I don't think lockdown's been great great for people at all it mm. really hasn't and mm. I mean it's it's brought it's, I mean sex has been the real killer I think something like I mean every research I ever look at on sex during lockdown it's it's at least half 50% less than what people you know usually do and a lot of couples used to have loads of sex have just stopped doing it I think it's just been really really tough mm. it's been awful actually isn't it really mm. but um we're coming out of it soon so that's good hopefully things are going to be looking up into, you touched on hormones, and I and I you you're like this fact because I know that it's hormones are something you talk about. I interviewed an evolutionary uh, biologist recently called Dr. Anna Machin, and she has done a study into what happens when fatherhood comes about. And interestingly, there is a marked drop in testosterone when you become a dad. In addition to in yeah. addition to the decrease that you already get over age, and what the reason for that is is because evolution has equipped us to no longer be on the lookout for mates when we have a baby arrive so testosterone drops and we become more sort of kind of pair bonding and kind of feather in the nest and all that kind of stuff so there's an interesting fact for you but in terms of hormones per se do they you obviously mentioned the effect on of menopause and stuff like that how do is there hormone changes that go about with with women over after after They've had kids and particularly uh, coming up to menopause and stuff. Does that affect libidos and sex lives a lot? Or Absolutely. And, I mean, we are completely ruled by our hormones. There's a great book called Sex on the Brain, mm-hmm. which talks about um, all the different, you know, how you are such a slave to your hormones, in fact. And one thing that drops in women quicker than it does in men is testosterone. And men think, you know, you think of men having testosterone, but women do as well. And um, I mean, I experienced that. So my desire dropped pre-menopause and I was just like, what the hell's going on? Because I had really high desire. I got a test and they said, well, your testosterone is really low. So they gave me this um, testo gel, which is what they give to women, which does 
increased desire. It does. It puts you, and I don't know whether I was ODing on it or what, but it was sort of like, oh my God, I can see hot men everywhere. It was just ridiculous. And um, and also I hated it because it, what, what it did was certainly increase desire, but it made my eyes go in all the wrong directions. And also what it did was it made me so irritable and competitive and all the other things which go with being male. So you have to be really careful with these hormones. But it was quite interesting. It was like, oh, my God, this one hormone dose has changed my personality. It's completely changed my personality. So it is. they're all there for a reason. Like you said, you know, the fact that testosterone drops when you're a dad, well, it means you're not out there looking at everybody who's, you know, got a great body and wanting to have sex with them. So it is all there for a reason. But I'm sure there was a there's a sort of narrow sort of middle ground there with taking testosterone but that can make a big difference with desire but even pre-menopause we are women are particularly more so than men particularly influenced by hormones and that's why again if you're looking at um female desire you'll find if you've got a woman to keep a sex diary she will want it very much at certain times of the month and absolutely not at all others and i would advise um Yes, some women are more affected by hormones than others. And I always say to women, you really should keep a, a diary, a cycle diary, because then you are able to let your partner know, like, do not approach me at this point in the month. And yes, I'll probably be open for it then. Because that that can lead to a lot of, you know, that's horrible. If you if you approach your partner and like, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything worse than sex at the moment, it's not very nice. Whereas if you know and you can make a joke about it and go, Oh God, she's in that bit, then you know, it helps, doesn't it? The more we know about the, how our bodies are working and what's going on in our brains, the, the less offended we're going to be by things going not our way. Mm. So I think it is really important to look at hormones and, and think about, you know, the effect that they have on sex. And they have a huge effect on sex. Mm. Huge, especially for women. In ter- do you know anything about the kind of, because I've, read before as well that low testosterone can affect men and we've predominantly been talking about kind of how we in this conversation today how we can kind of um how we can get our wives or partners more engaged but how does low t affect guys typically because some guys might not even realize that they've got low t but it does affect guys doesn't it of course it does. And I mean, you were talking before about, you know, it's more likely to be the, you know, the woman turning to face the wall than the man. It's not, you know, I mean, and there was, when I was writing one of my books, I can't remember which one, there was a woman called Michelle Weiner Davis, who is a really famous um, US therapist. And she wrote a book called, um, it was, well, I can't remember the name of it, but it was all about, she's written lots of them on the same topic, that it's men, you know, we have a massive desire problem with men in the States that something like 50% of men really aren't that interested in sex anymore as time goes on. Young men are, but, and I mean, we're still in the middle of a sex recession with everybody. Everybody's mm. becoming less interested in sex. It's a bit of a worry. Um, so, and that was, but again, because men are, because we don't have this image of men as being the ones who want to say no and who aren't that interested in sex, no one talks about it. And a lot of the reason is low testosterone. Testosterone drops for many reasons. And some men just don't have a naturally high level. You know, many, you know, men who are quite sort of female in their responses, like, you know, they're, they're, they're just more feminine. They're probably more nicer men in lots of ways. They're more caring. They're more, they're less aggressive. They're less assertive. They're less, you know, carry. I mean, I can spot the men who have low testosterone without even finding out what their readings are. So if you, and it's also not very good for you to not have low testosterone. So it might be an idea if you, if you're feeling 
you know, I mean, not competitive, low desire, a little bit of low energy as well. Um, it might be worth going and getting a checkup, you know, particularly if it's affecting your desire for sex. If you feel just just not quite yourself, not very energetic and, and those other qualities. I think every guy over the age of 40 really should get their testosterone checked and keep an eye out on it. And maybe you do need a supplement or maybe, you know, you just understand, okay, well, that just means that my natural levels aren't that high. So mm. maybe I want sex less than other people. This is not a bad thing. Mm. You know, this isn't, we've got to take this judgment away about sex and sort of beat ourselves up for not being this guy who's sort of, you know, battering on the door, wanting it all the time. So, so, but yes, you do need yeah. to get a check for yeah. low desire. And also, but it's not just that. I mean, stress makes people feel, you know, less inclined. Porn makes people feel, if you overuse porn, it's, you know, you just, it's really easy to get into that habit of just sneaking off and, and, you know, having a solo sex session because there's no effort. No one's going to criticize your erections or whether you're, if you, if you premature ejaculate or, you know, or whether, you know, it's just hard work having, having to have, make another human being have sex with you. It's much easier to just have sex with yourself. Mm. So that can creep in or anxiety or pressure, you know, or performance or, you know, an erection difficulties is a huge one for men. And all men over the age of 40 will start to have some type of erection problem. So you need to make peace with that, mm. you know, and, and realize it happens to all men. Happens to a lot of men. It's not a problem. It just means that, you know, you're not a robot. That's all it is. You need to make peace with that. And the men that I spoke to for my book, when they, you know, because of hormones and because of other things and just general aging of the penis, were not having these rock hard erections that they used to have in their, you know, 30s and early 40s. And it was this psychological catastrophe. It was an absolute catastrophe. And there's a sex expert and, or a sex um, therapist, a really well-known New York sex therapist, and he said, whenever I get a call from a man, whenever I, like, bring into my answering you know, machine or whatever, not my answering machine, you know, on the weekend, and it's a man, I know he hasn't been able to get an erection on the weekend. It's, it's always the reason why they're, like, in an absolute panic. Mm. And, it, yeah, it's a normal thing. You know, they're... They're not, you know, mechanical parts of our body. They're human parts. You know, they're not, they don't just perform on cue. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is, is it affects guys' confidence as well because the thing is, is most guys are going to get it at some stage during their life. And and sometimes it, you know, it, it might be for a short period of time. It might be for a longer period of time. But it's going to, it's kind of as sure as the sun rises in the morning and sets yes. in the evening, it's going to happen at some stage sort of thing. And it's, it's yeah. but so it is a, it's a bruise. It's a bruise to the male <laughs> ego. We just want to, we just want to bang our chest like Tarzan sort of thing. I so. know, I know. But you should be talking about it more and use your community and your podcast to talk about it more so that it normal because the biggest thing you can do is just normalize it. Hmm. Where people don't go, oh my god, and just think, okay, right, well, we, I knew this was going to happen at some point, and let's look at what I can do, and whether that be you end up taking Viagra or something like that, or whether you just decide to, because some people, of course, can't, or whether you could do other things. And there's plenty of non-Viagra solutions, like penis pumps are incredibly good for you, and quite frankly, all guys over the age of 45 should be using them because they keep. And also, the other thing, well, let me finish the penis pumps because penis pumps keep all the. All an erection is, is blood pumping into the chambers, right? So you need your, you know, your blood nice and oxygenated and you need to use it or lose it. The more erections you have and the more regularly, the better your penis is going to work, okay? So if you're not having sex all the time, you need to masturbate. And it also what penis pumps do is they just keep the chambers really oxygenated and they, they just have... Um, pump everything up so you get a nice big healthy erection so they have been known to make a difference 
Um, so something like that is a good idea. But the best thing you can do, men and women, is to keep on having regular sex, to keep your bits in order. So if you're going through a period where you're not having sex, you need to keep masturbating to keep everything in good working order. That is the best thing you can do to keep your penis in good shape. Hmm. If you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it is the name oh, of the game. By it's interesting, yeah. actually, because I saw, I, I was at a, um, I was at a uh, self-development conference and there was a guy called Mantak Chia there and he was talking about kind of, he was, I think he was a Chinese guy and he was talking about kind of blood flow and kind of, and, and, and his big thing was blood flow. It was kind it of is. like, yeah. it, 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 it was keeping blood flowing to the kind of, and he had like this, um, like this meditative practice, which is kind of visualize blood flow down your spine and energy flow and stuff throughout the body and stuff. Mm. Um, but this is this is huge. It is blood flow. That's all the penis. Thank you for saying that because that's what I was trying to think of. What the penis pump does, it makes the blood flow. And the same thing with women is all these hormones stop the blood flowing um, as ferociously as it used to to our genitals, which makes them feel less sensitive, which stops orgasm feeling so good. So it is all about blood flow. Mm, mm. In terms of like we sort of touched upon this briefly earlier on that you know the arrival of children and that throws up a number of issues usually the, the two that I hear the most are if there's been understandably it's quite a traumatic experience for uh, uh, a lady's genitals the arrival of a child um, and that often has an effect after in terms of feeling comfortable with being intimate and stuff so it's usually that and also the other thing is body image in terms of my body doesn't look the same as it did before i've kid before i had kids and i don't really want to look at myself bouncing up and down and what that kind of stuff mm. do you, mm. um is how shall i say put this it's very difficult for a guy to change how a lady feels about themselves but are there practical things that we can do that can provide kind of reassurance or you know because most guys love love their wives and partners no matter what and often mm. and often no matter how much you say that it doesn't change how Bullseye your lady feels. feels and it sometimes is a bit of an obstacle for guys i think oh absolutely and i'd imagine it'd be very frustrating um i can see exactly you know you see both sides here very easily can't you because number one i think if 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 um, you have given birth and it has been traumatic, well, it hurts. So all the more reason then to keep away from penetrative sex and just look at other ways. So that's how you can help with that is to, you know, instead of, you know, mutual oral sex orgasms and, you know, just keep it away from penetration until she's absolutely feels comfortable. And when she does feel comfortable, you know, it's taking it really slowly, letting it get used to you before you penetrate any further, you know, and and so it's all, there's lots of stuff that she can do, um, use a vibrator to massage um, internally, things like that. So there's lots of practical stuff if you look that up that can, you can get around the, the painful bit. Um, in terms of body image, it is so difficult and it is, you know, body image is the biggest problem for women and it gets in the way of having good sex because if you're sitting there you know while your husband's you know making love to you and you're doing what's called spectatoring where you're above yourself looking down and thinking oh my god look at my breast look at my stomach look at my thighs you're not in the moment you're not focusing on what you're feeling you're focusing on what you think your partner might be thinking of you what you're thinking of you it is a very 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 difficult thing so I think all you can do is give as many even though it seems like those compliments are falling on deaf ears, they're not. 
So keep going about it. Keep saying, you know, how sexy you are, how gorgeous you are, you know, like, and, and, and keep, you know, her confidence up, not just about her looks, but with everything. Like, don't forget to give compliments about her personality, what a great mum she is. And, and maybe, you know, go down that route of, you know, yeah, but if you didn't have the stretch marks, you, we wouldn't have had that gorgeous kid. So when I look at them, I don't see stretch marks. I see the fact that you went through all that to give me my gorgeous daughter or son or move along those lines. And, um, and that's, I mean, I, I don't have a magic solution for that other than mm. just keep going with the compliments. And usually after a period of time, women do tend to get used to it, but, or they do the other, go the other way and think, sodder, you know, I'm never going to look the same. So I might as well just give in. And then they do, don't do any exercise and then they eat. Mm. And then it's a disaster because they feel worse about themselves. And, you know, so, so it's a balance of encouraging a healthy lifestyle, making sure the two of you do, you know, healthy stuff, eat correctly, all that sort of stuff. So they don't go down that path. Um, and, you know, so it's a bit of a, even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, oh, my God, you're going to have to be so careful doing this because it's such a balancing act, isn't it? Of mm. Not coming I mean, the last thing you want to do with somebody who's just had a baby is to say, let's go out for a walk, darling, you know, like, or let's have a salad today for lunch because they're going to think, oh, my God, he really does think I'm fat. But um, but it's kind of a walking along these sort of lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is, as well, is that plays into the, cold, the whole kind of uh, antenatal, the antenatal discussion and and uh, I've had got I've had a few guests on the podcast around uh, actually men's postnatal depression, which I didn't even realise was a thing until very very recently. So I've had a couple of guys talking about that and how that interacts with postnatal depression and stuff. But the reason I raise that is because all these things are linked. Because how you feel about yourself dictates whether or not you're going to want to exercise, and if dad is suffering from postnatal depression and or mum at the same time then that is a recipe for not wanting to do exercise not feeling great about yourself and stuff you've got to force yourself out the door though Mm. you've got to all those lockdown things about how to survive the lockdown did you notice how many of them talked about light just go outside get some light this is what's going to reset your system which is what's going to stop you from getting depressed so you need to drag each other out the door really Mm. that's the single best thing you could do for depression is get outside Mm. and just get some natural sort of light on you and yeah. and and of course exercise of course then so you might be dragging your feet along the first time but you just almost just have to support each other but yes it is it's a, it's an awful lose-lose situation but then it's a win-win when you turn it around the minute you do make those first steps it very quickly gets back on track again mm. well in lots of cases anyway We've talked about, obviously, we've talked about kind of hormones, we've talked about frequency, we've talked about kind of scheduling and all the and all that kind of good stuff today. The other thing that often comes up as well is when people are saying, right, it's always missionary, it's starfish sex, what is the, how can I spice things up? How can I, how can I change things up and make things different or try different things? How can I introduce this kind of stuff without my... Uh, without my wife or partner running running a mile in absolute disgust or fright. <laughs> well, as I said to you, you'd be surprised the amount of women who are just desperate for their partners to bring it up. So you might be surprised who's not running in fright away from the adventure <laughs> sex. But I always think, I mean, you've got to start with baby steps and, and think about, I mean, if you've never talked, if you've never suggested anything to your wife before about other than the missionary position, suddenly coming out and saying, hey, I've got a great idea, let's go to a fetish club, then she's going to look at you in horror. But if you say, if you just do little things and say, I mean, even start with, I always say change one thing every time you have sex. Now, that might be 
let's not do it in here today. Let's do it in the lounge room or let's do it in, you know, something little like that or, or, um, you know, I know, let, let's sometimes have music on, music off, sometimes be totally naked or not naked. So little changes like that are fairly easy to suggest. You're not going to sh- horrify or shock somebody make, by making a small suggestion like that. And then once you've got into the habit of that, then you just push it a little bit each time. And I always think if you're really not sure, I mean, I could suggest any, if you talk about sex all the time, you shouldn't have to worry about whether you're going to say something that's too out there because you could say to your partner, do you know what, I really fancy that. And they could say, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That is not appeal to me at all. Like my partner is into PVC and all that sort of stuff. And, and I tried, I really tried. And I bought this skirt that I thought it looked great. But then the minute you move, it just rolled up into a rubber band and it was the least sexy thing I think we've ever done. And I tried. So, and now if he suggests that, I'm like, forget it. I'm not going to do that anymore. So if you get to that level, you shouldn't feel embarrassed and you, no one's going to get embarrassed about it or run away. But it's sort of the one good way to do it is if you wake up and you say to your partner, so if you have in your head what you want to do, say it's a tie-up game, you wake up and you go, oh my God, I had the best dream last night. I had this, or I had a dream, actually, not the best dream. I had a dream last night that you and I were blah, 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 tying each other up and blah, blah, blah. Now you'll be able to tell from your partner's reaction whether that's a yes or a no or a mm, intriguing. They'll either go, oh my God, you know, like I've never been to that or or maybe we should try and it's very easy to go from there into you can read your partner quite well and then just go into maybe we should try it sometime you know why don't we do that that'd be a right laugh or you know keep it light don't make Mm. it a big like I want to talk to you about something and we are going to talk about I would like to tie you up just keep it light (laughs) keep it natural and try it that way because if they turn around and say I I think that's disgusting you can say well I dreamt it I can't be in control of my dream so it sort of gets you off the hook and it's a very simple way to do it to bring up something that you want to try yeah that sounds good that sounds good what do you think um what do you think the key the keys are you know if you were if if it was tracy cox's sort of top five tips for kind of uh for living a long and happy sex life into the i'm gonna i'm gonna be diplomatic here and say the second half of our lives and that's gonna Mm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that covers anything from sort of 30 30 35 onwards sort of thing what do do you think the key is there really in terms of the sort of top tips you think got to be able to talk about it Mm -hmm. number one you're not going to get you're not going to get through without talking about it use it or lose it is very very important um you've got to have novelty you can't just keep doing the same sex that you're having so one of you has to just make make that not happen because why would you, I mean, you're not going to sit down and have spaghetti bolognese every single time, every single night for the rest of your life. You're going to be bored, stupid. Otherwise you have to have novelty. Um, What else would I say? I would say also, you know, the theme of what I've been talking about is, you know, look at just, get rid of this outdated notion of what sex is. So be prepared to think about sex that doesn't look the way it did when you were 17. Just be open to that. You know, I think that's really important. And, um, and yeah, I, I, what you said earlier about keep the affection up. I think mm. you're never going to have great sex unless you're affectionate out of bed. I mean, and also you've got to like each other. I mean, there's so many toxic lust killers that, ne- I mean, if you're angry with each other, if you're resentful, if you, you know, if you hate each other, you're not going to want to have sex together, are you? And I know I said that fuels all the bad sex, or the, you know, spicy sex, and it can, but it's, it's generally sort of pretty grim sex that sort of sex and you can't survive in a, in a relationship like that so 
I do think that, yeah, talking is important. Use it or lose it. Rethink how you think about sex. Um, keep the affection going. And I can't remember the other one. There's one other one, wasn't there? Avoid attraction killers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort out your relationship as well. Mm. Toxic lust killers, yeah. Mm. Make sure your relationship's in good shape. You can't have great sex without a good relationship as well, even though that can make sex go. You've got to, you've got to find that balance there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We've gone through absolutely everything today. I think, we, <laughs> I think we've covered just about everything. The most we main have. the main kind of questions that I know that know that guys are asking on a kind of regular regular basis. But it is it's, the thing is, I think what's difficult with this subject is that is that the places we get information from are not always reliable. The what we think other people are doing is they're not actually doing. And also in terms of talking to once you're in an intimate relationship or a long term relationship, the only person you can talk about this stuff with is your partner and the problem is yeah. is it directly affects your it, the the thing that you want to talk about is in relation to your partner so which but makes it a double talk, whammy why can't why can't you talk to other men yeah about this why can't you talk to a girlfriend about this why can't you talk to anybody else about this why does it have to be your partner it's a very good question and 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 that is a question that i'm going to have to i'm going to have to put that out to leave yeah. it hanging there for people to think about because no it is a good question because the thing is is we are we've got to this point where you know where we where people it's funny isn't it that sex is also sex has become ever more liberated but in some respects you know and we again we were talking talking about this i think off air in relation to how um how different people are in different countries in terms of how tactile they mm. are I think in the UK we still have there is still a slight Victorian legacy dare I say it in terms of a lot of stuff mm. um, also I mean my poor partner you can imagine how, how easy I find talking about sex and he sometimes is like oh for God's sake <laughs> he still gets funny about it so and he finds it difficult sometimes not talking about sex in general but talking about our sex sometimes he finds quite difficult so so it's not in, you know and he's had years of the well eight years that we've been together of he me sort of schooling him so it's not something that comes naturally to everybody mm-hmm. so again don't beat yourself up but yeah do try and talk to men need to be having these conversations down the pub mm-hmm. you need to be standing there having a pint and going oh bloody hell disaster last night drank too much couldn't get an erection and then the, you know your friend goes oh god that happens to me all the time have you noticed how you know the older we get the more de- that's the sort of conversations you need to be having yeah it's always oh, bloody guinness as well <laughs> That's what my partner drinks. He always has Guinness. It's not good, Guinness, let me tell you. <laughs> it's meant to be Irish Viagra, but not for everyone. That it's is for not sure. Irish Viagra. Viagra is the opposite, completely <laughs> the opposite. Well, I've had a lovely time and I love talking. It's quite nice to actually be on a podcast that's skewed towards men because I like talking about men and, and looking at things from their perspective. Mm. I think maybe I'm a bit more male than female, if the truth be known. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. If... If people want to find out about um, you, Tracy, link up with you, ping you a message on social media, uh, what is the best way for them to do so? Um, if you go to my website, which is Tracy with an E, so T-R-A-C-E-Y-C-O-X.com, you can find um, all the you know links to everything there. Um, I'm on Instagram, which is Tracy Cox, sex author, T-R-A-C-E-Y-C-O-X, sex author. 
Um, Twitter, it's just Tracy Cox. And I um, can't remember my Facebook, but you can find all of those links on my website anyway. Okay. So that's the place to go if you want to contact me. All right, super. And I'm going to ask you one last question that I ask everyone that comes on Guild of Dads podcast. Yeah. Um, and that question is, what is it in life that gives you meaning, Tracy? Um, kindness, I'm going to say. Um, you expect me to say sex, but um, and I think I've got a big, big thing about kindness lately. I think that kindness is a really underrated thing, and I think that's what we need to have more of and do more of and just be more kind generally. Mm, I, love I it. think that gives me great life satisfaction when people are kind and when I'm kind to people. Yeah, yeah, I love it, and I think it's something that is particularly relevant in the in the time in which we live at the moment that's for yes sure. that's for sure yeah. so, uh, excellent well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you uh, and, I, and i hope that people were listening and watching are going to get a ton of uh good insights out of our conversation today thank you very much and thank so you for, and thank you for the work that you've been doing thank you so much i thoroughly enjoyed it a massive thanks to tracy cox for joining me today as she mentioned you can check her out over on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. She's most active over on Twitter. Her website is tracycox.com. That's Tracy with an E. And you can check out her library of books over on Amazon. Now, we covered a lot in today's conversation, mainly because intimacy after kids arrive is such a tricky subject with a lot of things to consider. It's important, though, because if things aren't great in the bedroom, it can lead to a pretty fed up husband and wife particularly if nobody is talking about it and what is actually going on in the relationship. The main thing I took away from our conversation, though, is forgetting this whole notion of how much sex everyone is having and the type of sex everyone is having, recognising that we are all different and our relationships are all at different stages and phases. How injecting novelty and changing things up can really trigger desire rather than love to keep things fresh was another thing that I kind of took away from our conversation. What also made sense is the way in which women achieve orgasm compared to men and how making the circumstances right could be a massive game changer for most couples. I've delved into the subject of hormones on various other podcasts recently and it's no surprise how much these affect both men and women's libido, particularly with testosterone, even testosterone levels even, dropping among men in the modern world anyhow. There's a video of this interview over on the Guild of Dads YouTube channel and you can link up with me over on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook using the handle at Guild of Dads. I'm teaching you how to follow a simple system and plan just like many of my guests in order to transform all areas of your life so that you can live more purposefully with much greater fulfillment and meaning. It's all in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint. You can grab it free at guildofdads.com forward slash dad. In order to have a positive impact on the world, we improve ourselves and inspire others. The fee for this show is that you share it with others so that they may benefit from anything you find useful or interesting. If you know someone that could do with improving their relationship, could do with a life rethink or a different perspective, share this episode with them. The best bit, you don't have to tell them why you're sharing it with them, but it could be just what they need to hear. Now, if you want to get involved with Guild of Dads, I've mentioned the social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Guild of Dads is growing week on week. The listening figures are going up. Uh, Our Facebook group is going up. The uh, amount of guys coming into that, that's free to join. There's some interesting conversations over there. So I would 
thoroughly encourage you to join up if you uh, like what is being discussed on the podcast and some of the topics that I cover. Um, Definitely worth getting involved over there. But if you dig what I talk about and you get a benefit and use and uh, resources from what I talk about, then by all means, leave me a rating and review. Share this podcast because it really does help grow uh, and get more people switched on to Guild of Dads. Ultimately, it's a movement that I do want to uh, grow and develop uh, because I'm very much in the business of helping other dads to uh, uh, to really improve their lives and sharp as the men and dads they wanted to be. So by all means, share, spread the word, and I appreciate you guys that listen on a weekly basis and also you guys have just tuned in. Thanks for finding us. Hopefully you find something insightful in every episode. So share with dad, you know. In the meantime, live a life of vision, action and meaning. Apply what you hear and we'll see you next time.